everyone and welcome to a brand new podcast from Poland called Contact Lost. Um, I'm Tomasz, also known as Tweak, and uh, let me welcome my co-host, that would be Michał, also known as Joker. Hi Michał. Hi Tomek, thanks for having me. Right, so uh, this podcast is basically going to be about the Polish Warhammer 40k scene. Um, we will give you updates about the upcoming uh, tournaments. We will talk about lists. We will talk about players or participation in the ETC and stuff like that. So stay tuned because we're in for, or you're in for uh, a crazy ride. And we are going to start with a bang. And by bang, I mean a massive, massive uh, guest. So for our first persona on uh, the podcast, we invited Piotr also known as Tyfus, who is a Polish seasoned player and the Polish seasoned ETC referee. So, hi, Piotr. Hi, thanks for having me as well. I'm really happy that we are finally having some podcasts that we could actually, that where we could actually talk about our 40k games and to a broader audience, not only Polish one. Yeah, that's, that's actually something that I find really important, I think. Because finally, with the ninth edition, um, you know, being here, uh, we are all playing the same game. So it's no longer ITC versus ETC or something like that. We will see what the future brings. But I think for now, we are all playing the same. So uh, our scene could finally be more interesting to the foreign listeners as well. So, so looking forward to, uh, you know, discussing stuff with people from abroad as well. Um, let's get into it then. Let's let's do a deep dive, uh, but let's start with you maybe. Uh, so can you tell us what is your experience in you know playing Warhammer and then what is your experience in refereeing and why did you take up being a referee? So when it comes to when I started playing, I think it was back in 2008. So as, as you said, I'm quite a seasoned player. And I started playing competi- competitively, I think, back in 2010. So it's been all, it's been almost <laughs> 10 years from my first... I think it's over 10 years from my first tournament. Nice. So I've been in, at my first ETCU in 2012, and I was a coach in a mercenary team back then, because I, I think I was 16 only uh back then and year year later i went to the my first etc as a player so uh i've been i've been playing for five etcs since 2013 and then i've started and then i become a ref uh mainly because i was i really hated eighth after salamanca salamanca was i think etc in 2018 Mm-hmm. And I was playing Brimstone Spam, so I hated my life for for a good That's year after that. Brain dead list ever, I think. <laughs> yes, yes, like I hated every second of it. Like, no, no, no. And so, yeah, I, I'm quite seasoned. And why why I took refereeing? Uh, like first offer of me refereeing, I think, was 2017 in Athens, and. I basically didn't have money back then to play in a team. So I asked, yo, do you want to have like a Polish ref? And they were up to it. But our Polish team actually bribed me and said they will pay for my trips. (laughs) So I will play in our team back then. Uh, And they paid me. So 
basically it was the same thing for me. I just played in a team tournament instead of refereeing, but right. I, 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 I wasn't the ref year later because I was actually quite into new edition for a brief time, as I already said, because Brimstones were so much fun. So yeah. uh, then, then, then I started, I partook refereeing again in year later. And I was supposed to go even uh, to this ETC as a ref uh, to, I mean, not this ETC, but the last ETC that was actually going on. But I couldn't because of work and because I had to go to the USA from my work. So I was supposed to be two times ref and I'm currently working in like secluded group of referees for future ATCs where we are currently working on bringing out all those WTC FAQs because ETC now is WTC for those right. who are not familiar with the change of terminology. Right. So, so about that, by the way, uh, because I, I was always curious, like you said that there is a bunch of uh, like referees from different regions who cooperate and create rules. Has GW ever like addressed that, or have they like turned to you and asked for your opinion about when when you know rules are created or something like that, or did they like completely ignore you? So now, now actually, right now they are. I think they are working with us because one of the referees is actually kind of working for GW. Mm -hmm. uh, so so we actually have a link, and for example, few of the questions that I've asked him before the latest FAQs in, in last week that were released last week. Uh, those questions that I asked were actually included in the FAQ. So I think there is actually an initiative between, from GW itself to treat us seriously after all those years. So Finally. I'm happy about that because that's a great change. And not, they do not only focus on ETC and what's going on in the States, while the whole Europe is playing mostly ETC, not ITC. Yeah. And do you know what is the reason for the change in approach? Because, I mean, it's like, it seems hard to imagine that an event that would gather 300 of the most competitive players would just be ignored. And then again, uh, it, it was never mentioned in any articles and it always baffled me. And I think that only in the run in one of the ninth edition faction focuses, it was just mentioned that one of the guys describing one of the factions was in fact, uh, I don't know, the coach of Team USA. So that was like the first mention of ETC, now WTC, that I've seen on Warhammer community articles. So uh, do you have any insight into that? So... I don't like the obvious. The obvious answer is that they changed their CEO. So, but I don't think that's the real, real answer. What actually changed? I think it was mostly the fact that all those people that they were talking with, I mean, those playtesters, etc., were people who were at least kind of connected with WTC. So, effectively, those people I think influenced them to cooperate with our like committee even more and uh, i think that that's what happened but what actually happened i can only spe speculate all right 
I thought that, you know, GW was never really interested in the ETC because the ETC allowed like third party models and, you know, models from other companies and stuff like that. So that probably wasn't uh, something that they wanted to uh, get involved in. But again, that was only my impression. That, that could yeah, but when you look at it, I'm, I'm not that familiar with all the US tournaments, but I think those, those most known like Nova, Vegas Open, etc., they allow those models as well. No, I had no idea. I thought that you know that they 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 stick to uh, GW only. Um, you know, bases have to be like GW only, and so on and so on. So no, I've heard that only uh, that's only relevant to you if you were to go into like top eight or top sixteen, and then be oh, on one of the streams, and then you have to have everything hundred percent GW. Oh, fair enough. But, okay. Yeah, that's like the only thing I've I've read about. So okay. I'm not sure. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's the same thing I've heard. Like, you need to have all models GW to partake in a stream. That's that's yeah, all that sense. was going on. Of course, they are like the main sponsor, probably. Uh, so makes absolute sense. But we started talking about <laughs> other tournaments. We we actually uh, our intention was to talk about something else. Um, so or a different tournament. Uh, so maybe let's get into that. Um, last weekend, I think. There was uh, a huge, for you know, Polish reality, I guess, uh, a huge tournament in Kozłów uh, that gathered 18 teams. So it was a, a, a team tournament, three teams, uh, sorry, three players per team. Um, and yeah, awesome turnout. But um, was it a challenge to, you know, organize an event like that? Uh, and, and if yes, because I, I reckon we organized some tournaments in Tree City as well. Um, and yeah, they've always been a challenge. So now with COVID restrictions, it must have been even more difficult. So can you tell us something about that? What, what is it like to you know partake and organize a tournament with you know reality like that or atmosphere like that? So I cannot say for the organ. I, I cannot talk from the point of view of organizer himself. But like from referee point of view, uh, there were a few things that we were really strict on. So for example, everyone had to have face masks on, be it normal face mask, be it those plexiglass. Face shield. Yeah, face shields. That, that's, that's a good description. So that was one thing. Other thing, you couldn't eat in the... In the tournament hall, so you could, had to leave op to open air space and eat there. Okay. You couldn't for you could drink through a straw, but you couldn't drink like from an open bottle. Uh, so y there were a lot of restrictions. So when you, for example, left the venue and w came back, you had to disinfect your hands. And we were really strict upon that. So there were some people that got warnings for, for example, revealing their nose while wearing face masks. No, oh, because okay. so so yeah, we were strict on that. But that's only like referee point of view. What I can say, what I heard from the organizer itself himself, is that when it came to organizing stuff, it was more demanding in a sense that when he planned all the costs etc it was pretty COVID. 
maybe not pre pre COVID, but it was like mid March, early early April. So uh, every every price went up basically. So he couldn't basically estimate what would be the actual price when when it came down uh, to buying stuff just before the tournament. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, people realized that could happen. So he just wrote on the forum that he lost x amount of polish currency and if someone could spare him few few slotted then it would be great and actually people paid to make sure he won't end up in a loss and and there were like other things that for example his local tournament group people there i think he he lives in a kind of small town so he had like 10 12 players there and one week before the tournament itself, they got they organized the tournament. There were like eight players or something, and it actually turned out that one of the players was actually uh, infected, or how you say about COVID. Yeah, I guess so. Exactly. All of them had to be quarantined, so no one from his local city could help him. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> that's yeah, horrible. yeah. That sounds so, that sounds very bad. So yeah, I, I was glad that me and some other people because the tournament was organized in like hotel complex. So some people arrived the day earlier and we could help out. So we could set up all the trains or the tables, etc. You know the standard organizer. Yeah, group. yeah, it's it's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I think that, that, that speaks about a lot about the community that you know it, because usually from what I hear, um it's it, it happens every time. The same happened again uh, last year when we went to Prague. Uh, we met with, with Matusz, who is the organizer of Prague. Uh, we had a couple of beers and then he said, like, you know, can you come and help? And we helped a bit and some other people helped a bit. And it, it's just great when people do that. So, yeah. And we, by the way, the, the organizer, do I remember well, it's Kershur? Yeah, yeah. So shout out to, to Kershur, awesome job keep on doing that. I, I heard actually that it went so well that he has a booking for the room in like two or three weeks and he wants to organize yeah. another tournament. Yeah, so, so there is actually an idea of organizing another tournament in the same spot, uh, for but this time singles, not a team tournament. So uh, it went really well. Actually, there were, for example, you had top beer. Of course, you couldn't drink it. At the, I mean, you could drink it through the straw mm -hmm. in, in the tournament hall, but Actually, there were like there was food, there was grill that you could buy, there were drinks. Uh, so if you wanted beer, different kinds of beer. So if someone likes IPA, there was IPA, etc. So it sounds like hell of an event to be honest. Yeah, it was great, and actually the location was great as well because it's just by a lake, and you you could play paintball there in the afternoon, etc. So. Like the tournament location is great for even the socializing part, even if you're socially distancing. Yeah, right. So, um, would you say that the turnout, so 18 teams times three people, that's a lot of people. Uh, that, that was a surprise. Did you did you expect so many people? I guess you know after because for for all the people who are listening, maybe you know, but not really very much into the Polish scene. Uh, we have some an, an annual event that is called the Polish Team Championships. 
and it's like a, a, a holiday, not another holiday, it's like a great celebration of Warhammer, basically. And, and many people come in teams of five and, you know, they play together, they, they eat and drink together, and basically it's almost like a party. And this year, because of COVID, this didn't happen. So uh, would you say that, you know, people wanted to compensate for that with this very event? Yeah, I, I, I would say that even people were really hungry for any kind of tournament. We were in the lockdown for like five months, four months, five months yeah. we, without any tournament going on. And actually, when you were asking about the turnout, 18 teams, actually, there was there were more people asking to play there. We actually had, I think it was 20 teams that signed up, but... The reason that we only had 18 teams allowed was that we needed to keep the safe distance between tables. Yeah. So we had like two meters between tables and we not only two meters, but we had like spare chair. So every, every person had their own assigned chair for the whole tournament. So like, I think there would be more people. Like another problem with only 18 teams is that the tournament was really in the south of Poland. And it was like just by the borders. So for for people like you that are living just just like the most yeah, northern north. part <laughs> of the Poland, you probably wouldn't attend because it's like seven eight hour drive. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to gather a team, and there wasn't anyone who volunteered to come with me. So that's you didn't that. Have me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's far away. It's just the tournament was far away for you. But I think like if there was a potential, I think there would be more people coming for the tourney. Like honestly, I think there were so many people were hungry about it. Even when you wrote uh, when you read the forums, I think there would be more teams. Uh, I think people, especially after playing the tournament, felt like it was great and they would love to play it again. So, all right. So uh, you said that, and that's true. I think for everyone everywhere, uh, that there was uh, a long break uh, from playing, and people were probably mainly theory crafting and so on. So, from the referee's perspective, would you say that it was visible that people were a bit rusty? Well, I don't know if you can talk about Rust when it comes to an edition that came out three weeks Brand back. New. Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, that that's not something you should account for. But I don't think so. Like honestly, I think it was like pretty standard tournament. I think actually we had less less rule questions that we had back in eighth. Like I was pretty surprised because maybe each round because the tournament was like five rounds each round we maybe got like three questions and i think throughout the whole tournament we only had one question that i actually had to discuss with the whole wtc ref crew only one question that we had to vote on during the whole the whole tournament so i think that was actually pretty good and it might be a Reason that actually GW did a good job on their FAQs, etc. Finally, so yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at the game mechanics, ninth doesn't seem that different from eighth. And uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, the rulebook now is written 
in my opinion, a lot better than it was uh, in previous editions. And uh, yeah, things are much clearer. The FAQs were out fast. Uh, even too often from what I've been reading on the forums, uh, I think one of the FAQs came out like two, three days before the tournament and you didn't play it. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right, actually. Because usually in Poland, when there is a tournament on a certain weekend, we allow, we have the least deadline for, for Monday before that weekend. So basically five days before. And this time we postponed it because there was one FAQ, I think, on Monday that came out. Uh, we postponed it till Tuesday. Then another FAQ came out on Wednesday, I think so. So yeah, yeah we didn't play with... on that, but we when there was there were certain questions I can't recall what questions that were answered there that we actually used as a rulings because certain things were uncertain. So mm -hmm. probably the most right. common sense ones like can Magnus smite five times or something like that. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Like we use it more as a guideline because we didn't want to. We didn't want to be too strict on people that actually made rosters having might certain rules that were in FAQ, for example. There was one roster that was using the space rules. Yeah, yeah we very... Object is secured and everything. Yeah, exactly. So we... There were one, one person... I, I think not only one person. I think like five, six people brought space rules. And all of those people, I'm pretty sure they had in mind those rulings. So changing that one after this submission is is just bad faith. Yeah, agreed. So uh, I think we, we already touched upon this a little bit, but would you say that the new rule set, that the new missions, that they somehow affect how people build their lists. Uh, has anything changed in comparison to, to eight? Are, are the lists different? Yeah, I mean, of course, at the very beginning, most people are actually trying out what they were working with in eight, and they are patching it up, adding new units, etc., to figure out if there, there's something good. And that was, I think, mostly the case at this tournament. There were a few lists that were quite new, but I think when I'm when I'm looking at the trend throughout, like all those Polish national team candidates, when you look at their thought processes, you can actually see that we are moving away from what we could see in uh, back in eighth. Like eighth, at some point, was really obnoxious and relied on killing opponents. Uh, that's one thing that's changing a lot right now in the list, that people are actually realizing that you do not need to kill opponent to win the tournament. And we need to switch that mentality, I think. Like, that's the most important part. And I think we are currently in the process of that. But we'll see when the meta game settles within a few weeks what will actually happen. All right, so many, many people on, on, on other podcasts that I listen to, they mentioned that the, the, the game is now more about, uh, you know, the, 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 like the game happens within the middle 24 inches of, of the table. Like you, you fight for objectives, you need to hold the center of the board. Um, and it's no longer like get 18 smash guns <laughs> lined up or, or another. Thankfully. 
or another gun line and just, you know, fire at anything that you see moving uh, or that gets into line of sight. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a change for the better, but it requires a completely new approach. Like, I bought, uh, well, I, I got a new army uh, because I started Grey Knights at the end of, of 8th. Uh, and I moved from Orcs, um, and I see that the playstyle of Grey Knights at the end of 8th and now at the beginning of, of ninth is something completely different. So I think it's true for, for, for more armies than just Grey Knights, and, and I think it's great. Yeah, I think you can... There are certain armies that the, the discrepancy between additions and what the lists are is even more visible. I think we'll go through that later, but certain armies that were really focused on killing opponents in the shortest amount of time, like Space Marines, are really struggling right now. So we, I think we'll get there. Oh, no. Not struggling Space Marines. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy because when, when I was looking at the games themselves, I saw many unconventional plays that actually were pretty beneficial for the player making them. So I'm really happy for that. And I hope the game will actually focus on controlling the middle of the board because we can actually see more close combat. And those who know me uh, know that I love tricky close combat armies to trick my opponent. So I'm, I'm really like hoping for that. Spam. Yeah, Brimstone style. Yeah, that's 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 the best close combat army out there. Shots fired. <laughs> right. I, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, go on. No, I I just wanted to joke that Brimstone spawn would actually be great for holding middle of the board. So. Yeah, I, I've heard that there was a guy who took like sixty Nurgling bases to one of the I think GTs somewhere abroad, and he won the game without actually killing uh, any enemy units. Just yeah, like there, there, there was actually one game uh, in, during this tournament. There was one guy playing Horde Orcs against pretty much 8th edition Space Marine lists with 6 flyers, Thunder Fires, etc. And he didn't inflict a single wound on the Space Marine list with Orcs and won, won like 19, 90 to 50. That's crazy. He lost all his models by turn 4, but it didn't matter. So... You can do that now. So you need to take that into account when you're building those six flyer lists that they might actually not be that good. For scoring primary and secondary objectives. From what I've heard, flyers aren't the best objective holders. So (laughs) Yeah, so I've heard too. Rumor has it. So, um, you know, we spoke in in the past uh, and I remember that you have this thing for the unconventional, the atypical, and so on. So have you noticed any special, interesting, you know, uncommon lists when you were going through the drive with all, all, all the lists sent up by people? Was there anything that really caught your attention? Something that you said, oh, I don't know if this is going to win, but kudos to you for taking that. Yeah, we had some forward units and for those not familiar, we were playing ETC, and that means now WTC rules. So we didn't have many forward unions beforehand during the 8th edition. So there were a few forward unions that I was really curious about. But few of these that caught my eye were 
new take on Imperial Guard. Maybe it wasn't surprising for me because one of my best friends is playing Imperial Guard and he was inventing that list. But currently our like Imperial Guard list, I mean, sorry, Astra Militarum, but for me, they are still Imperial Guard. Um, so he was taking uh, Hellhounds and he was playing really aggressively with Hellhounds and using them as a close combat unit with pretty powerful close combat heavy flamers. And so that was one list. There was another list that consisted of nearly only space uh, Dark Angels uh, land speeders. So that was, was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah. one of Polish Polish national team uh, players. The one with Imperial Guard was actually another uh, Polish national team player. And there were a few lists that I really liked about uh, from the space, uh, like the space rules I've mentioned earlier, there were like multiple different takes. Of course, those lists aren't legal anymore. I mean, they are legal, but they are not as effective. But they were, they were pretty reminiscent of the fifth edition Razor Spans, where you basically had like five man Grey Hunter unit with a Wolf Guard in a Razor bag with an Assault Cannon. And there were a few of those lists, and they were pretty successful at that. So I'm, I'm really curious how it will go further because I see more and more lists coming up, uh, coming out that are pretty similar to those that were played in fifth. And I know maybe the oldest ones of you will actually remember fifth, but fifth was really about objectives as well and controlling table and not killing. And I love that. So fingers crossed that it will actually happen again. Yeah, because it seems that, that those those kind of games are really more tactical and they require more yeah, thinking than just. I, I, yeah. I just think it's more fun and interactive than removing all of your models because Iron Hands won their all of. So <laughs> even if there's there's more depth <laughs> to that. So, yeah. Yes, there is only one way of moving models from removing models from the table, but when you move to get the objectives, you actually have few options. So, so uh, yeah, go on, go on, Joker. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna drift away from the main topic here for a uh, for a moment. Uh, you mentioned Forge World. So, what's the current take for WTC on Forge World? Because uh, in the past, they've been very reluctant to include it, even though. In eighth, I thought that at one point there wasn't really any reason to ban it, so to say. Uh, so, what does it look like now in ninth? So, to give a context, it's not like really it's only WTC fault. We every year we have a vote, captain's vote, whether we want to include Forge World or not. And for all those past years all of the captains actually majority voted against it. So it wasn't anything that was forced upon by the organizers or referees. It was just a will of the community to not include Forge World. And right now, the, our take is that we should allow Forge World for all the upcoming tournaments to like November, December, and then when people get familiar with it, realize if there's any obnoxious things like those dreadnoughts in the Iron Hand, Iron Hand list the that were back in eighth. 
So if something like that comes up and GW won't actually be willing to fuck, uh, to add some FAQs or change point costs, etc. If they won't be willing to, it will be uh, up for captains to vote whether they want it. But from till November, we, we are kind of encouraging people to actually try out new things and see whether it's actually a good idea to include them. And so far, we do not see anything that's actually that that great in the Forge world, but there's so many units in those books that something might come up. But yeah, I, I think, sorry for like, you know, breaking uh, your flow, but I think GW has rewritten some of the rules for, for some units and they've, uh, you know, tinkered with the points as well. So the things in, in Ford World now are, uh, well, better priced and their rules are just not insane. They're actually playable right now. Plus some of the stuff like, I don't know, um, the custodies uh, models, for example, uh, I think, you know, the, the army jets or, or the tanks, um, the, the army simply needs that to, to play properly. So, so I think it would be a shame not to see them on the table. I think they've said that the rules for Forge World are now written by the same people that write the rules for the, let's say, standard codex units. So uh, let's see if that changes anything. Yeah, fingers crossed. So um, moving on, because we have to be conscious of time as well. Um, maybe tell us something about the lists that won. I mean, is there anything special about them? I think you've mentioned one, I think the one with the Hellhounds, perhaps. Uh, but and what... the Orcs from the same team as well also the, came yeah, up and already. The, and, and the Orcs. So, so, so these came up. So, but could we, could we like analyze that? Because I think no Marines, only other stuff. Um, yeah. Was it yeah, the case yeah. of, of the, the armies and their composition? Or was it the case of the players just knowing their armies well? What, what was their recipe for success? I think the, there's always the thing about the names. Because two, first and second team were pretty clear cut. I mean, when, when you've looked at the rosters before the tournament, you knew that only question between those teams would be who would finish first and who would finish second. So uh, those were the names that we were pretty sure would finish first or second. So when it came to the list, I think it's kind of connected with the people as well. It's not only the skill level that they have, but their knowledge of the game. They've, they see more nuances within the gameplay. But there was another thing that those people are actually were more involved into like think tanky part of what's going on in the edition because uh, we actually have like a closed forum uh, on our we have a closed forum for uh, national team candidates and those people that actually uh, ended up on the first and second place were pretty pretty known players and they were posting a lot of uh, rosters brainstorming and what's more they've each of those players i think played like 10 to 15 games before the tournament so they were really familiar what the rosters needed what secondaries would they pick against certain armies 
And when it comes to, when it comes to the rosters themselves, it's like first first team got, had those hellhounds that I mentioned earlier with some blood angels. So there is no no surprise again. Imperial Guard with Blood Angels is, is a top-tier army who would have fought. And another list was those Horde Orcs with basically 210 boys because you always have the Daggering Tide stratagem to put another 30 boys on the table. And third player had like typical Polish take on Chaos Space Marines with possessed obliterators. But this time because of the... Difference in the addition, he actually removed some of the killing stuff in his roster, like Havocs, etc., to include more units that could actually fight for tables, such as Defilers, which were a big surprise for me because I haven't seen those models since I was playing for fun with my friends back in 2008. Or... Yeah, <laughs> Or berserkers, which which uh, I was, as some of you might already know, I was a big advocate of berserkers for years now because they are fun. But yeah, so some means that you wouldn't normally take in our tournament setting were actually present in those rosters. And second team got, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there was one Death Guard list focused on just surviving. Yep. Uh, with like spawns with the with fill of pain, etc. Another list was Sisters of Battle, which was pretty much copy paste from the eighth edition list, which probably will need some tweaking and changes. But it had like three times Repentia, three times Exorcist, usual stuff. And third third roster was something new, which was like maybe. That Not new for everyone, but it was Skark, which is like yeah. one of the best Polish players. He got once 120 points on WTC, so I think he's pretty good. And, and he brought an Admech army that was so obnoxious when it came to shooting. So, for example, he was playing against the, the Hellhound army from the first team. And that list had like 12 vehicles with like 12 guard vehicles that were really tough to kill and Skarik basically destroyed 8 eight of them, I think, no actually 9 of them in two, in 2 turns were when he was going second after taking some losses. Wow. So that list is just bonkers. <laughs> and he have the, the little horses as well, I mean the cavalry. No, 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 no. He oh. he just had what models he had from the end of the eighth. So his list, I don't think there was actually any of those new Batman units or something like that. He will actually he include did them have now. The planes, I think. Then he yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. had those three planes and those three indirect shooting Belarus or something like that, guys. Yeah, well, he didn't is... bring. Yeah, I don't know. They just look the same to me. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, he's actually thinking about bringing those new units like the cavalry for his roster because he was struggling with objectives when he was playing a typical bunker army. And third team, I'm sorry for them, but I don't really remember their rosters. I just remember they weren't one of the teams that had Polish national team players. Uh, even though there were four of those in a 
in the whole tournament. But I remember they had guard as well. I think pretty similar guard. And I think they had death guard list with only vehicles that just survived on the in the midfield. So yeah, I think like the, the take on the rosters is still it's still gonna change over time. But there's there's not much Marines going on in comparison to eighth. Which is encouraging to all those players who basically and I know that it was like that. Many people said, I, if I know that I'm going to be playing Marines, uh, I'm not even going to the tournament or something like that. So so that I think that's healthy for the community in general. That, uh, you know, the meta is shifting towards other things and not just Space Marines. Yeah, I, th- I think it's great. Actually, like the meta, we were, we as I said, there were multiple players from like Polish team, uh, Polish national team for WTC. I think there was actually around eight, eight past ETC, ETC players. So we were actually thinking about what armies, what the eight-man team consists of now. And we barely had space for one Marine army. Wow. And we weren't even sure about that. So, like, Xenos right now are really strong. Maybe not all of them. There are, of course, some armies that got struck by the new point changes more than the others, like Tyranids or Genestealer Cults. No, Dark Elder are actually pretty strong. They are really strong. I mean, Grotesques are still one of the best midfield, midfield units in the game, so you cannot yeah. deny Yeah, sorry. Go on. Okay, so I heard that people are experimenting with flocks now. Uh, And apparently it it looks like the beginning of the 8th edition where people were doing exactly the same. So, like, take a lot of cheap, fairly survivable units and try to survive in in the midboard or in the midfield. Is that actually something that is happening? Yeah, maybe not everyone. I'm... I'm the one advocating for flocks on our forums. Uh, but yeah, maybe the lists of Dark Elder are mainly covens. And of course, Prophets of Flesh covens because that's yeah. f- that 4 plus invo is the best. So no, none of those custom ones. So yeah, I think the... I think the lists are more centered about surviving, which Dark Elder are actually one of the best armies to do so with. For other ones that come to mind are some Nurgle units from Death Guard or Demons, but they are worse at killing things in close combat than those Coven units. So, yeah, I wouldn't say Dark Elders are, are weak. I would say they are actually one of the better armies right now, but you need to include Incarn. Okay. That's my small, like, yeah, you need to have Incarn in any of the Eldar armies right now with how the games are going on. So, uh, out of sheer curiosity, I, I, I can't recall. So, yeah, shoot me, but I can't recall if, if anyone had brought uh, Custodes to that tournament. But would you say that Custodes now have a place, for example, in, I don't know, as one of the top eight armies? Uh, they seem, you know, durable, survivable. I think they have what, like, four strat- stratagems to increase survivability right now. Uh, two up armor, four up invuln, high toughness, many wounds. 
Yeah, ignoring AP Top minus sec. one on some units. Yeah. Top sec on almost all of them. Yeah, yeah. I think th they might have a place. It's just most of the custody players in Poland actually weren't playing for a while right now. Mm. And those that actually were playing had mostly those models that they had beforehand. So mo mostly fine. those bike guys. Yeah. And those aren't actually what you need. I think currently those foot, those custodies on foot are, might be actually a good unit. And army consisting of mainly foot custodies might actually be good, which is mind blowing to think about. Yeah. But yeah, I think they might have a spot. And I'm really happy about that. I think that shows how great of a change changing the scoring points can be like when you start thinking about units that you would never field like defilers or chaos spawns or uh as we just spoke about those custodies then that's just great i think that shows how healthy the metagame can be even for more casual players it doesn't matter that you didn't take a full full-on competitive army you can still play and actually bring some points from the game even if you were at disadvantage from the very beginning you can still play with your favorite units and that's great i think that's actually the best thing that happened in this edition yeah it, it really seems that um you know someone thought this through this time so uh, I can't wait for for the next tournament that is going to happen locally just to get my models on the table because you know this edition does that to you. You just want to play more. Um, yeah, there's definitely that feel good factor from being able to take some points away against anyone really. Uh, you did mention that you've discussed uh, a potential eight armies for the team tournament. So what armies make the cut? right now uh, in your opinion if that's not a, so, uh, a secret <laughs> no of course it's not there's so much will change so one army that i'm hella biased about is harlequins i think people are sleeping on them so that's one one army is harlequins second army is dark eldar uh, maybe some combination with eldar we will see uh, so twice eldar uh, orcs uh, Admech, so that's four. Chaos Space Marines, that's five. Uh, and then you have Imperial Guard, that's six. Uh, some kind of Death Guard, Demons of Nergal, uh, and that stuff, that's seven. And eighth army, that's the point where we are thinking that there's actually and a reason to include a space marine list, for example, what we were thinking about, like spam of intercessors and impulsors or other other power armor lists, like more hard power armor lists, like hard sisters of battle, which might sound ridiculous, but when you have 150 models that ignore AP minus two have invulnerable and can actually hit quite hard in close combat, that might actually be, be a thing. So we are thinking about them. Of course, it's still too early to have any conclusions, but that's our like first first, first look thing. at what's going on. So have you, have, you, have you heard, have you thought about that list that um, 
Alex Harrison, I think, took to uh, one of the GTs in uh, in the UK. So salamanders, apparently salamanders are really good now with all the stuff that the ninth edition allows you to do. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with the list, but basically, uh, you know, some eliminators, uh, all held eradicators, I think. I think. Era- Eradicate, yeah, sorry, eradicators, health blasters, I think, you, because you can now bring in pretty much any unit that you want from reserve or from any side of the board at some point. Uh, so many, many Space Marine units now make much more sense, and with all the re-rolls that the Salamanders uh, provide, uh, it turns out to be one hell of an army to play. So... Have you given that any thought, for example? So you weren't looking at Alex Harrison's list. It's like when when it comes to beginning of any edition, we usually don't look into other communities for ideas. Mm-hmm. It's more what we actually learned throughout the years when we we usually got top one or top two at ETCs after new edition started. So we knew that we have pretty good think tank. So we we actually came up with quite different take on Space Marines. We actually do not think that regular Salamanders are the choice. We think that you should go with the successor chapters. And we are focusing more on the Grav guys, Eradicators as well. But yeah, we actually thought that Salamanders will actually be the new Iron Hands when it comes to Space Marines rosters and which Mm -hmm. uh, chapter will be most most prominent on the tabletop. Right. Plus also, I think um, the nature of a team tournament is just different and the lists that you need to bring also are different. So probably something that works in singles not necessarily has to work in a team yeah, tournament. Yeah, that, that's actually a great, uh, great point because most of the things that I was talking about are my thoughts on purely team tournament mm-hmm. uh, compositions. And I've been thinking mainly about team tournaments since I started playing at WTC. So those rosters are quite different than those that you would take for singles. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one more question that, that um, really I think is a hot topic right now uh, with the introduction of the new rules. And that's um, I've seen the videos from the tournament, and I've seen that the tables actually differed significantly among themselves. So there were tables that were like plain open spaces with low build or like terrain count, and then there were tables with shitloads of terrain, high ruins, and and all that. Was was there was there like any reasoning behind it? Yeah, as as I said, we were it was a team tournament. So what we wanted to do is that to make sure that you could actually make a list that had in mind playing on a certain table. That's another point about why team tournament rosters differ from those at singles. Because at singles you cannot guarantee playing on a certain density of the t- terrains when it comes to the table but uh, other than that we were actually pretty much just trying out 
how different approaches on the tables would work out. So what we wanted to see is what should be our goal for future when it comes down to single tournaments, etc. What was actually the healthiest kind of table when game. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a team tournament. So yeah. there's always some diversity between those tables to make sure that you can actually play with your really like grotesque army hiding in the ruins for and you build a whole army just based on that idea. So Right, that that's what I wanted to 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 hear, I guess. So so the list building is actually affected by the potential tables that you can play on. Yeah, that's why actually people before the tournament were asking a lot what they can expect about the terrains. And after the tournament, we had so much feedback about the terrains that this feedback will actually impact those terrain maps that WTC released. So those are already obsolete and will change. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, yeah, because they they were too, uh, how you described it, they were too plain. You could basically Mm -hmm. shoot too easily. What we were actually playing on was, as you said, really dense area, like really a lot of ruins on the table. Like when when GW gave us a suggestion that there should be one terrain per 12 square inches, uh, I mean, yeah, 12 square inches. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 144 square inches, sorry. So uh, when they suggested that, we actually took that seriously. And on each of those squ- uh, like 12 by 12 uh, squares, we actually put a solid solid terrain, not like a barrel or a statue. It was just a ruin that could actually hide a small unit or even a tank behind it. And I think that the resulting in some really great games. Like, wh- when was the last time that you saw Tau charging orcs just to make sure they won't move between you ruins? That's, that, that's great. And I think that's actually so... That's the other part of what I was saying, that you can actually play differently now. And that's awesome. Yeah, but it yeah. seems like... A, You've a mentioned, though, that... You've meant, sorry for jumping in. Uh, you've mentioned though that the tables were still a little bit plain, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You did play with the WTC rule that woods are obscuring. So yeah. uh, even with that, the tables were too plain. So <laughs> I mean, the answer is uh, is really simple for that one. We didn't have any for uh, like we didn't have any forests. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, that's so, saying a lot. <laughs> it simplifies the question. We actually didn't have any in our terrain. We had like way too many ruins, but we didn't have forests. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but still, uh, if I may dig into that, uh, is that suggestion in the WTC FAQ or terrain clarification really necessary so early in the new edition? I think the main idea was that forests can be uh, an easy terrain to provide blocking line of sight and a terrain that's easy to make relatively from like competitive 
point of view. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So it was mostly like a way to see how it will affect. As I said, we are still in a research and development stage. So we are looking at different solutions. But I think if you use more and more smaller ruins, not those giant ones that we had like nine by nine inches, but more like four by four inches, then the game is actually great. Like when you can hide one unit in each of the terrains, the game is actually great. And you do not need like giant ruins mm-hmm. or you might actually not need any forests. That's that's my point of view from what I've seen. All right. Um, before we started this recording this podcast, we uh, touched a little bit on, I think, a topic that will be of interest to many people, including GW. Uh, actually, so um, I, I I said because I observed that on on our well our forums that some guys have put up an Excel spreadsheet with like an analysis of you know who go who went first when and whether it had any meaning or whether it translated into a win or a loss. Um, have you seen that spreadsheet and what do you think about the results? So yeah, like my it was actually an idea before the tournament. I was speaking with the whole WTC ref crew, and we had some like preliminary information from all those friendly games between those national teams, or maybe not teams, but players from those teams. And we actually had information that going first was really crucial when it came to certain pairings. So we wanted to check that out and see whether that was really an issue. And uh, the spreadsheet itself shown that amongst those, I mean, I will sound condescending, but amongst those lower tier players, not those like national team level players, actually going first or second wasn't that, that impactful when it came to the scores. But what we saw between those top players that actually going first was really crucial in most of the pairings. So to give you an idea, we had this because we still wanted to use the 20-0 system that we are using back in eighth or like back in all the previous editions. So we basically had a system that when for each four points of difference from those primary and secondary points, you would get one point of advantage in the 20-0 scale. So, for example, ending game 71 to 30 would uh, would result in a 20-0 win. And what we actually saw is that sometimes going first would actually mean that you would score uh, primary objectives for one turn more, and that would mean 15 points more. So it's already almost four four points in a 20-0 scale. And there's also a secondary objective that you are probably doing because you went first. So for example, you could be making the psychic psychic ritual that you start in the turn one, and it's easier for you because you are already on, on the midfield. So what we found out is that amongst the top tier players, it actually resulted in around six points in a 20-0 scale for the player who went first. And that's a lot, and I don't like that. So we are actually looking at that, and we are looking for some more 
data from other tournaments and from other sources to check whether what we saw was just some outlier results and outlier statistics. But we as a WTC ref team, we are looking into that because we are aware that it might be a problem. And even though from what I've heard, people from ITC weren't so they were talking that it's not that impactful. We are actually seeing that right now it's really impactful for the result of the game. And when it comes to a team tournament, when you add up that, for example, you lost you are not going first on seven out of eight tables, it might actually mean that you just lost a one team match because you just lost seven out of eight roll-offs. So we are actually looking into that to see the scale of the problem. And we are we are actually thinking about different ways how we can tackle that to actually diminish the effects that it might have on the games going further. So we are looking into different approaches into primary objectives, into secondary objectives, but we are well aware that changing those might impact the whole metagame as well and it might but, result yeah. with yeah. completely different obnoxious lists because when there's only end-of-game scoring, for example, when you're playing really shooting-heavy lists, like that Admech I've mentioned, or even Six Planes and Space Marines, you might actually be still winning those games that, uh, for example, there was that one, that one game that I've mentioned about those 210 orcs versus Space Marines. They would have won that game easily if it was only scoring at the end of the game. So that's something that we have in mind, but we, we do not have a clear solution. We need to gather more data and make an informed decision about this. Right. Do you intend because yeah you, you will be gathering data you will be analyzing it do you intend to give your feedback to gw directly as well uh i think so i just as i said there's one guy in our team that's actually really closely connected with gw so i hope it will they will actually listen to people and their and their reactions to what's going on because then if it's GW controlled and, for example, changed on, I don't know, six monthly basis, then we can actually have what I think was a goal for GW, and that's having a common rule set for tournaments in, in the whole world, not, again, going into the split between GW rule set, WTC rule set, and ITC rule set. And I think that would be great if they actually listen to all of the feedback that people would give. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it seems that they're listening now more than ever. So with, with you know, the frequency of like erratas and FAQs that they release and FAQs to FAQs, even with them being on social media. And so I think this is... Uh, great place to be and a great time to, to be playing Warhammer 40k in general. I, I just hope they will look more closely into what WTC say because I think they were really center, centered about ITC back in 8th and I just hope we'll have more impact going forward into their I mean impact their into their decision making. 
All right. Um, one more question that I'm really interested to hear the answer to. Um, what are you doing Warhammer 40k wise now? So what, what's your army? What's your take? What do you want to take to the table? What, what are you taking to the next tournament? So yeah, I'm, as I was saying, like, I went to the tournament and I really enjoyed what I saw, like, seeing all those weird plays going on, I just felt like that's, that's the game I fell in love with. So I'm currently, I've just mastered my whole Harlequin army. So I, I'll be bringing those bad boys. Uh, going forward and when it comes to me playing or refereeing at ETC there is actually something going on that I might not be I'm not willing to talk about but there's there's maybe some chance that I'll be playing that the next one so but I might be refereeing as well so we will see but right now yeah, I, I, feel, I feel I feel the yeah, I, I, I feel the hunger right now. Maybe I'm more theory crafting right now in the spare time between my master thesis and my job. But <laughs> when I will finally have some free time, I'll, I'll, sure, I'll surely use it to push some yeah. plastic soldiers. You know, it only gets worse. So don't count on too much free time. Uh, from <laughs> what I know, I do not have kids till yeah. this point. And I yeah. hope so. so. <laughs> From what you know, you say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Either um, way, uh, uh -huh. you've mentioned the 20-0 point system. Uh, so uh, let's not talk about uh, how that works or how it differs from the scoring system that GW now proposed in ninth. Uh, what I wanted to ask is what do you think about the compensation of four victory points giving one point advantage in that 20-0 scoring? Because I think initially you were going to go with five points for one point advantage. And that's how we've played locally in our first tournament. So as a bit of a tournament organizer myself, I'm really curious on what's your take on that, whether that one victory point difference, let's call it, makes a lot of a difference in final scorings? Mm, I... Uh, you mean the difference between four and five? That's what, yeah. That's what, yeah, so I think it does. It actually really does. Because when, when it's... You, to win 20-0, you need 50 or 40 point difference. That's actually one more turn of holding primary objective, etc. And from what we've seen in that team tournament, there was no player that in those five games total had more than 90 points out of 100. So it's really hard to win 20-0. Mm -hmm. And that was using four points. So I think four points might actually be the good solution right now. I was initially That's going for spot. six points and I was wrong as hell. Like that had that has no place so i think four points should be optimal right now five points i don't know what what's your experience you said that you organized tournaments how, yeah how, yeah how well fight? we've had a local tournament so it was three rounds obviously and we've had six tables uh being played at so not that many participants and uh i think more or less uh 
in each round, four of those six tables ended in a score of 11 to 9. So something close to a draw, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but that might not be... Well, in that case, the difference between 5 and 4 would only mean maybe 12-8 instead of 11-9, which isn't that... Yeah, it's not that much. But when it comes to... It might basically be like for, for, for a case of... In a 5-point system, you would actually... Uh, for example, you scored 29 points... In five-point system, that would be fifteen. Like you've got 25, 29 points advantage. In a five-point system, that would be fifteen-five. In a four-point system, that's actually seventeen-three. And that's where the difference comes in. Yeah. So still, it's not that much, but it does make it a little more sensible. And yeah, not I think. Flat. I think it will be really hard to win 20-0 with fine point cap. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm I'm all about four points right now. So, if there's some mm-hmm. tournament organizer that actually prefers zero sum games instead of those proposed by the GW, because as you guys probably already know, if you do not have a zero sum game in a tournament, so basically what I mean by that so, is that you do not want your opponent scoring more points. It's, yeah, I, th- I think I know that better than anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, Poland. <laughs> so, so I, I meant that for, for any of our uh, listeners. Well, you need to have a zero sum game to keep competitive integrity. To make sure that no one is willing to give away points to his opponent because it doesn't matter for him. So, all right. Uh, I have one one last question that I want to ask, um, and this is: I've seen some discussions on the forums. I've heard some discussions, uh, you know, around the community uh, here in the north of Poland as well. It seems that the secondary missions have really you know, divided people. Uh, it seems like some of the secondaries are really well thought through, and then some of them maybe not so much. Uh, and I've heard people, or I've seen people in the forums complaining about some of the of the secondaries, like some armies just give give points too easily just because the secondary is built like that. So, do you have you have you observed that as well? And do you agree with some of those opinions, or not very much? So I think it all. Like the truth lies somewhere between, because certain missions, for example, like the ones that come up to mind, like the Titan kill Titanic units or kill psychers, are really uh, like they are really rewarding for the player playing against those two one-dimensional lists. But another, so let's let's take a closer look at the Titanic one. For example, you would think that playing knights is just wrong idea because of the lists, uh, because of the secondary objective. But like when you look at the greater picture, you can actually see that knights do not make sense in all of the current current settings. So uh, that might be one thing. And another thing when it comes to the kill psyker ones. Yeah, that or the witch one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the names. I know what they do. 
so that one, there's actually one huge caveat is that you need to not have a psyker to do that. And when it comes to, to uh, for example, Grey Knight Army, they have their own uh, secondary mission with the, interroga the interrogation one, where they can interrogate character five times to get those 15 points. So you actually get the benefit for having psychers, and only in those certain scenarios when, where you're playing against army that doesn't have those psychers, they have advantage. But they get that advantage because they do not have another advantage. So I think, I think those two missions are the, the ones that had the most discussion about. But mm -hmm. I think the bigger problem for me when, with all the secondary objectives, etc., is that there are certain ones that are nearly always taken depending on the certain matchup or pairing. So, for example putting up those flags or holding uh, all of those quarters of the of the battlefield so there are missions that are just must must haves and i don't like that i think that that should change to make it more diverse when it comes to gameplay and uh, i just don't like the idea of having some must haves and and uh, some really niche ones i do not do not get me wrong i really like having niche missions as long as you have more diverse ones as well so is is the wtc looking into uh i don't know creating some alternatives to the secondary yes, yes. but okay. we are uh, we actually have few in mind right now but we are also looking we are waiting for new releases from gw because what they said is that certain armies will get their own missions in their codexes or something yeah 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 so we are looking forward to that to see how it will look like. We do not want we want to play the game the way they wanted us to play for as long as possible, but at the same time take some precautionary actions to make sure that if it's not really that great for some reason, we actually have a pr certain proposal of a solution to use. Cool, really cool. All right. Uh, listen, guys, uh, we're almost close to, I think, one and a half hour. So I think it's uh, time to wrap the episode up. To all our listeners, let us know in the comments if you want to hear more about uh, team competitions, if you want to hear more about uh, singles. We are going to play a single tournament uh, here in Gdynia uh, on Sunday, 1,000 points. Um, you know, bring whatever you got, no hold barred. Um, so we will definitely be covering that in one of the episodes to come. We plan to release um, future episodes on a weekly basis, hopefully. We all have families, we all have children, so it might be... No, I don't. Well, you, yeah. Okay, you're not going to be in the episode, so... Yes. God damn it. <laughs> some of us, some of us have, have, have children and other obligations, so we will try on a weekly basis. Um, so stick with us, because we really hope to be informative. I hope you liked this one. Thank you, Piotr, for uh, an awesome coverage of, of the tournament and the banter about the meta. That's always welcome. Uh, you've been an awesome guest. So, as I, as I said at the very beginning, thank you for having me. I, I really like the idea of having 
Polish podcasts talking about what's going on because we are always a good team when it came to WTC. No bragging. We never actually knew anything of what's going on in our in our tournaments. We are always like a secluded community that yeah. wasn't really going out to other teams to show out show off what we what we've got. So I'm I'm looking forward to more episodes. Yeah, there is there is plenty to talk about. I already have plenty of ideas. And guys, if you have any ideas and you want to hear something specific, um, any list building, list analysis, uh, what have you, uh, we will invite guests. Uh, we will talk about those things. So uh, let us know in the comments. Um, Joker, any final thoughts? Um, no, I think you've said it all. So uh, yeah, thanks from myself to Piotr as well for for the expert insight, and uh, perhaps we'll invite him again. We'll uh, think about it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> think about it, and we'll see what happens in the Polish meta game and our tournaments. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Uh, until next time. Bye bye.